I'm Pastor Floyd Hughes from Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills, and I'm here with Adam and Heather, uh, who run the uh, Life Recovery Bible Study and Small Group. And I have a couple of questions for you guys. Uh, without going into detail, um, I want to talk a little bit about you guys. Um, again, not digging into your personal life and asking you to share a bunch of personal stuff, but um, and I know you touched a little bit on this the last episode, but what really, I don't want to say excites you, but drives you about doing like this small group because you're putting your time in, you're putting your energy in, you're putting your resources in, um, you're not getting anything in return, you're not getting paid to do it, you're not getting any notoriety or publicity for doing it. So what's, what, what's your, for each of you, like your drive for making this happen. Hello, Pastor Floyd. Thanks for having us back. My drive personally is to um, be a beacon of God and be a beacon of his selflessness, you know, to give back to anybody who comes to this. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's a fantastic way to share the, the the bible the word of god i mean and and the 12 steps obviously but it's um it's an absolutely fantastic journey that we are on and i would just like to share it with as many people as i can hi pastor floyd for me um it's we, it's, you know, um, we read a passage at one of the recent 12-step AA meetings we were at. One of the co-founders, Dr. Bob, said anytime he practices the spiritual principles, helps another suffering alcoholic or addict, he takes another piece of insurance out on his life and out on his sobriety. You know, um, I stand here today and it's a gift from God. I mean, I should have been dead or in jail for the rest of my life, you know. Right. And, um, you know, for me, you know, I used to cry out to God when I needed to get out of a jam. You know, don't let me go to jail tonight. Don't don't let my mom find out what, you know, whatever the circumstance was. And now I'm asking God to bring the people to us, you know. Um, I heard of meeting. I mean, I say this a lot, but, like, you know, I, one of my prayers is lead God, lead me to the people that will lead me back to you, you know, and I find that in broken people, you know, we're all broken as human beings, whether it's <clears throat> domestic violence, whether it's addiction, whether it's alcoholism, whether it's financial, we're all broken. And I think with this group, we can come together as broken people find a way to Jesus and come together as one. Do you, do you think, I know you said you cried out to God. Do you think that's common? Do you think that there are a lot of people um, that when they're doing okay, they're like, I don't need God. But when they're in that position, they're literally crying out to God. Yes. And I might have to edit out the word literally because Christy says I use it too much. But <laughs> do you think they're, they're, they do I the do. same thing? You think Absolutely. that's common? I yeah. uh, being raised Roman Catholic and attending um, private school until 10th grade, I learned about 
Jesus Christ. I learned about God, the Holy Spirit, you know? And that, for me, that was just like something that was so abstract. And, you know, by the time I was in 10th grade, I've had enough of the nuns and the brothers shoving it down my throat, yeah. you know? Uh, that led to that led to me basically rebelling and just um, stepping back from God. You know, mm. um, at this point in my life, I cherish our prayers at night. You know, our prayers in the morning, even the prayers on the way to the blessing board. <laughs> I, I do. You know, I cherish those. And uh, you know, personally, I think she's she's kind of praying. You know. Dear Lord, keep me safe on this journey to the blessing board. (laughs) Sometimes. um, Yeah, uh, you know, I really, you know, throughout my addiction and my alcoholism, I really only, quote unquote, prayed to God when it was convenient for me, when Mm. there was something in it for me, what's in it for me. Mm. That's the motto that I used to live by. Because if I couldn't get something out of it, I was so self-centered and egotistical that I wouldn't do it, you know? Um, Whenever I got in a jackpot, I would would cry out, uh, you know, Lord, help me. If you help me now, I promise I won't drink. I'll put the drugs down. I'll be a great guy. Obviously, that wasn't a sufficient motivator. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So let me ask you this, because in the uh, the small group uh, and I'm going to jump into the step one, Mm -hmm. uh, it says step one in the process is we admit we were powerless over our problems and that our lives had become unmanageable. And that's a slight change from the the AA one. What's the AA one? We admitted we were powerless over alcohol. Okay. And then our lives have become unmanageable. So the difference is, and, and I've heard you guys say this over and over again, that this isn't just about alcoholism. Right. This just isn't right. about addiction. Right. It's, uh, and I like that they use the word problems because that could be anything. You, it can, could you be, can insert any word you want in there. Yeah. Because, you know, you don't have to be an addict or an alcoholic or whatever the case may be. You can insert whatever word you want into that blank and that's what makes this so great you know for people coming in from the outside because you don't necessarily have to be in recovery you know you could just be checking it out so one of the things they say is that it's important to talk about the we aspect of the statement we admit we were powerless why is it important for people trying to overcome struggles or problems um, to realize they can't do it alone? Is that like crucial? Is that necessary? Um, I believe that is very crucial because um, we're so self-centered and isolated that we try to, I try to handle everything on my own. And I've seen it so many times, you know, you need that support. You need that peer. Like you need to be able to sit down and tell somebody, Hey, I went to the casino again last night. I drained a bank account, signed up for a second mortgage. I just can't stop. My life is unmanageable. 
you know? And then for me to hear somebody across the table, hey, I drank like you drank, you know, that's the we. We both can relate to it. Our stories, our lives can be totally different. You could be a doctor, a lawyer, a pastor, a housewife. But at the end of the day, you have these addictive behaviors and personalities and your life is unmanageable. How can we come together and unite to help not do it again? And I think I like the example you use because most people, they tend to immediately go to the when you hear addiction, alcohol, drug, they don't go to the gambling, which is huge and has a huge impact. And the fact that whatever my struggle or problem is or yours is or yours is, when we all come in here and say, hey, I did blank again, mm -hmm. uh, you have other people who hopefully, and you guys can speak to this, won't judge you, but can identify with, yeah, I, I didn't Absolutely. stick a needle in my arm again, yeah. but I did drink a fifth of whiskey. Drink a fifth of whiskey. I didn't drink a fifth of whiskey, but I did just blow my whole paycheck. I'm not going to be able to pay my rent because I went gambling again. So um, it, it, it's good to have that group of people. We all have addictions. We all have addictive personalities. And, you know, some of them, some of us recover from them. Some of us don't. And it's for me, you know, when I <clears throat> was learning how to live this life and a lot of the steps, it says we made a decision to turn our will and our life over to the care of God as we understand him. And what is powerful about that to me is the God of my understanding can be different than Adam's. Adam's understanding of God can be different than you pastor can be different, but at the end of the day, we're all praying to a God to help us and we can lift each other up and support each other. Hey, how do you pray? You know, I had a hard time because I didn't think God listened to me because I didn't know how to pray. I, cause my prayers were like, don't let the police be at the house when I get home. You know, that was a big one or, you know, God, if you let me live through this tonight, you know, just those fly by night, you know, prayers. But um, in a lot of the steps, even in the Life Recovery Bible, God is mentioned in all 12 steps, just about, you know. And um, even in the Life Recovery, we were looking at them last night because even Adam and I didn't realize how close they are to the ones that we use in recovery. Really, the only difference was step one. I mean, instead of it saying alcohol or drugs, it says our problems. So in that step one, it also says that we were powerless over our problems. Um, is there a difference between acknowledging, hey, I'm powerless or acknowledging I'm, I'm giving up? Is that giving up if you say you're... You're, you're powerless, like you can't do it? So um, I don't call it giving up. I call it surrendering. Ooh. Surrender my will. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I don't call it giving up. Um, you know, when I, when I started sponsoring guys, um, we, re we read the preface, and then we get, we get to the first <coughs> page. And when you open the first page, 
That is the first word that you see is we, not I, not you, not they, we. That is because in the program, just like in the, in the Bible, recovery Bible, it, um, it lets you know right off of the bat that you are not alone. You know, there's a common thread that holds you together. You know, even though we could be sitting across the table, like Heather said, and your story can be different than mine. There's a common thread that brings us into these rooms. There's a common thread that binds us, you know. Um, and without a we, that's, that's pretty much a horrible thing to have, you have to not have, you know, because at any time, if I'm struggling, I can pick up my phone. And if by chance my sponsor don't answer, I can call anybody in the program and they are more than willing to help me. Hmm. You know, that's why we are so important, you know, and I, I don't think, I'm, I'm trying not to preach, <laughs> but I don't think people realize how similar that is to the body of Christ because mm -hmm. the, the whole purpose of the body of Christ is not that I am, I mean, it is that I am now a part of God's family, but that key word is family. I'm, I'm not in it alone. Uh, not only do I have Christ with me, I have other Christians who I can rely on, who I should be able to call uh, who I should be able to now, just like you said, uh, oh, I'm going through something. Uh, can you guys help me? And whereas my coworkers may not answer the phone, even some family members may not answer the phone. Uh, my fellow brothers and sisters of Christ will be the first to say, how can I help? I may not be able to do much, but how can I help? Right. Um, so I think it's good. And that same issue of surrendering, because it's surrendering, you know, this is, yes, it's my life to live but I want to surrender it and live it uh, for Jesus Christ uh, as best I can. Um, so uh, I want to talk more about, because, um, and I'm going to edit out all my ums, uh, uh, that it says our problems and that our lives had become unmanageable. What is unmanageable? And that's going to look different for every person. But what does unmanageable look like? Like what did... Without, you don't have to go into a lot of personal detail, but what did unmanageable look like for you guys? Well, unmanageability for me was, um, I would, I lied a lot um, to my family a lot. You know, I would get up to go to work and the unmanageability was I had a 9 a.m. start time and I'd roll one at noon because I had to stop and get a few drinks. You know, in the morning, in the morning. And then um, I would make a promise to my mom every day. I can still see her face. I'll be home tonight at six for dinner. Hmm. And every night at six o'clock, she would wait with a plate for me and I'd never come home. It'd be days, hmm. sometimes weeks. Um, I spent a lot of money on a lot of things, um, gambling, drinking cocaine you know um and my life became so unmanageable that it i ended up homeless mm -hmm. i ended up living on the streets 
Um, I didn't have money for bills. I didn't have money to pay rent because I felt entitled. I don't need to pay rent. Don't they know who I am? You know, I mean, um, and I was, you know, I was a slave to alcohol. You know, that's how my life became. Um, I couldn't have family relations. You know, um, my mom and dad were like, we love you, but we can't love you, let you kill yourself. Mm. And, you know, unmanageability, I would move out, live on my own for about two months and be broke. I'd be homeless. I, I'd have, it, it just, it, it was a miserable existence. Um, I had banks looking for me because I had the bank's money. I had people looking for me and um, it, it was just an awful way to live. Huh. So unmanageable, just comfort, everything, life, work, family, relationships. And I lost it all in, hmm. in the end. Mm -hmm. My bottom brought me to my house that I was living in with no utilities. I had no food in my house. I was about 95 pounds, very skinny, very dirty. And I cried out to God on October 29th. I said, God, just let me die or help me. But does unmanageable, for someone to realize, wow, I'm at that point where, um, I wanna make sure I get the phrasing right, that they realize, uh, yeah, they're powerless over their problems and that their lives have become unmanageable. Does it have to be rock bottom before they realize that? Everybody, or is it that usually it is? It's usually rock bottom, but everybody has a different bottom. Hmm. You know, some people, if they're gamblers, maybe their bottom was they spent their paycheck and couldn't get milk for their child. You know, maybe that was their bottom. Um, maybe somebody else's bottom was, hey, I got a DUI coming mm. home from a wedding. Yeah. I'm never going to drink again. Mm. My bottom had to be total desperation. I want to die or help me God. Mm. You know, it, it's the alcoholic prayer in desperation. God help me. Mm. And um, that was probably the first time I ever said that in my alcoholism and I meant it, I needed help. So a question for you, Adam, to the person who's listening to this and we're not like a big mega church crossroads <laughs> by any means, um, but I was looking uh, this week and um, I was telling my wife, cause she listens to a bunch of different podcasts and we were talking about how you can look at um, the statistics from the podcast and we don't pay to look at the statistics because I just don't think that's a good use of people's ties and offerings to pay just to see how good we are. But our website pays and covers, we pay for our website. It covers the hosting fees, all of that to say it gives us certain specifics like uh, today, here's the number of people that looked at your website and here's the number of people that downloaded all of the media that's available from your website. So all the podcasts that we do, do a lot. Um, here's today, here's for the last seven days, and here's for the last 30 days. For the last seven days, uh, the last episode you guys did was number two. For the last 30 days, the last episode you guys did was number one. 
and I'm not even offended that they're listening to you guys more than the sermons. That's okay. That That's okay. But there are people who are listening. And like I said on Sunday, when I asked people to share it, because there are people who will listen, who may not yet be ready to come down and step in and acknowledge, you know, everything we just said, that I'm powerless and all this is unmanageable. So for you, a question for you, Adam, to the person that may not be ready, what would you say to them? To maybe, maybe not, it may not push them to be ready, but what would you say to them? If they're listening to the podcast because they're on the verge of acknowledging this, or maybe they're struggling with trying to acknowledge it, what, what would you say to that person? I, I would say personally, um, if you're on the fence and you think that you have some type of problem, odds are you do have a problem. And, you know, for me personally, um, I always thought that I was hiding my alcoholism and I was hiding my drug abuse. You know, I was doing I was doing it in secret, you know. And to be honest with you, I was the very last one to find out that I had a problem. Everybody around me. I mean, I mean it's glaring, you know. Um, that's that's self-will. That's, you know, that's part of being, quote unquote, liar, you know. Mm-hmm. Because I, I would think personally that I was lying to the woman who gave birth to me, my mom. Mm-hmm. I'm not lying to her. She already knows what's going on. You know, she, my mom is the type of person that she doesn't ask a question unless she knows the answer. Okay. And I, I think back about all the years that I straight up lied to her face and I hurt her, you know? And basically, that's what I did with all of the relationships in my life. So my, my advice is, if you think you have a problem and you are on the fence, I'm not one to judge, but odds are you do have a problem and you are the last one to find out. So basically, just give it a chance. You know, Just, just open your heart and give it a chance. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> what would you say to them, Heather? I would say um, it, the first step is to admit it to yourself that there is a problem. And that's the hardest, that mm. was the hardest thing for me to do. You know, I was a lot like Adam, you know, I wasn't hurting anybody but myself. Nobody knew the extent of my addictions and drinking and, and you know, And what I would say, like, if you are on the fence, you know, whether you pray or you believe in God or whatever your higher power is, just say, hey, help me and direct me. And then come in here because, you know, you don't have to be as broken as I was to find Jesus, but you can still be broken and we can help you through that. I'm not here to judge anybody. You know, I don't, excuse me, I don't judge I don't force my opinions. I don't force my beliefs on anybody. I just want to help you to get well from whatever your problem is, whether it's gambling, because I was so afraid to walk into my first 
12-step AA meeting because because I had to say it out loud. I had to say, my name is Heather and I am an alcoholic. Hmm. You know, that was the hardest sentence I ever had to do. And I, my first AA meeting, um, my dad took me. And, um, you know, I lost him five years ago and he was one of us and he died 18 years sober. Um, he has my 18 year coin with him, but um, I remember he took me to my first AA meeting and everybody in the room was telling how they were an alcoholic. And I'm like, yeah, right, I ain't no alcoholic. I just came, you know. And there's a saying in AA that says, um, God does for you what you cannot do for yourself. And that day, um, on October 30th of 1999, God spoke through me and I stood up. I said, my name's Heather. I'm an alcoholic and I want to die. And I looked at my dad and he's bawling and he said, I can fix this. I just can't fix crazy, you know? And, and I always say like, that was the day the obsession of that life was lifted for me because I hit my knees at night. I surrendered. I said, God, at your will, please direct me. Hmm. And that's how my journey began. <clears throat> well, I want to say, I, I, I want to wrap this up because I want to give you guys time to set up for the meeting tonight. But I want to say I'm grateful for both of you for being willing to not only take the time to do this, but to help other people. Uh, I don't think a lot of people realize what it takes to help other people because you're willing to kind of get a little bit of their mess on you <laughs> in order to help them. And not a lot of people want to do that. So that's that's huge. Uh, thank you guys. And if anyone who is interested, uh, the Life Recovery Small Group meets on Thursday nights, starts at 7.07 p.m. at Crossroads Community Church, 1028 <laughs> Scotia Hollow Road in Jefferson Hills. Anyone is welcome. Uh, and if you are one of the people who you know what, you're not ready to cross that line and just continue to listen to the podcast, which thank you guys for doing that as well, because, you know, there are people who may listen to this and they may listen for however long before they actually decide, yeah, I need to get help. And even if they don't come here to get help, that's okay. Right. Mm -hmm. But if by listening to this, they decide to get help somewhere, then I feel like you guys would agree, mission accomplished. Amen. You're, yes. you're achieving yes. Yeah. All right, so thank you guys. Uh, I want to pray and then we'll be done. God, we thank you for Adam and Heather. Thank you for everyone who will take the time to not only listen to this podcast, but also have the courage uh, to take the time to step through the door, whether it be here, whether it be an AA meeting somewhere, whether it be a life recovery meeting anywhere else. Uh, we just pray that you would speak to those people uh, who are acknowledging that their lives have become unmanageable and that they're powerless to do it on their own. And we pray that you would let them know that there are people who are here to help. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.